The Marching Roundtable is proud to be an official media partner of Drum Corps International and Music for All. Your number one beneficial tool is going to be your admin and your counselors. If you have your school body invested in what you have to offer, then that'll be your ultimate, you know, savior. That's Casey Kunze of Cedar Park High School and Middle School. And on this podcast, he talks about recruiting. We're having this conversation in the framework of recruiting for middle school color guard and how that impacts the high school program as well. But this advice will be helpful to anyone in any circumstance. I've always made it like a goal of mine that they're always spinning flags that look really cool. They're not like weird, gimmicky craziness. I always make sure that they're costumes, like they're always something that kids would want to wear. I'm not putting them in, you know, crazy costuming that, you know, well, this one makes me look weird. I want all of my kids to be comfortable in what they're wearing. And also then on that aspect, if it's cool and edgy and fun, then they get to experience that end. And then more kids want to join, you know, because they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to look stupid doing this. So much great advice on recruiting, taking care of your students, building relationships in your school and community, using student leaders to make students feel included and important, and thus keep them in your program. Members at Marching Arts Education can see the webinar version of this conversation at marchingartseducation.com. There's a link to that video where this podcast is located at the Marching Roundtable. Thank you to the sponsor of this podcast, Fred J. Miller Incorporated, found at fjminc.com slash roundtable. How to grow your program and recruit at the middle school on the Marching Roundtable. podcast is sponsored by FJM, Fred J. Miller Incorporated. FJM is the leader in marching arts uniform manufacturing and continues to lead the charge through groundbreaking design, superior service, and over 60 years of industry innovation. The Cesario collection of marching band uniforms is 100% machine washable, includes a limited lifetime warranty, and makes the fitting process a breeze with their Adjust-A-Cuff and adjust a hem technology. Now is the perfect time to create a new image for your program. Chat with a live FJM representative or schedule your complimentary consultation today at fjminc.com roundtable. That's fjminc.com roundtable. Fred J. Miller Incorporated, family owned and operated since 1960. I'm so excited to have this guest with us tonight. Casey Kunze is here. Casey, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am great. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to everybody. We're talking about recruiting, and everybody wants to know how to do a better job at recruiting. How are these programs with all these kids doing it? And of course, specifically, we're talking about recruiting for middle school color guard and how that impacts high school color guards and the whole program and everything. But it doesn't matter if you're a color guard person or not. This is going to be helpful information for for everybody. So, uh, Casey, I know everybody probably knows who you are, but uh, why don't we start by just letting you do a quick introduction of, about yourself. So, uh, my name is Casey Kunze. I'm the Color Guard Director at Cedar Park High School and Cedar Park Middle School. Um, this is now finishing up my fourth year there. Uh, I live in the central Austin area, uh, just a little bit north in North Austin. 
Um, I marched Drum Corps, Winter Guard, uh, with Santa Clara Vanguard, Crown, uh, even a year at Cavaliers, and then Black Gold, Winter Guard, and Invictus. Um, and then I have been teaching for uh, ever since I got out of high school. Um, one of my first schools was teaching at Round Rock High School and Leander High School. I've also done a plethora of things with Hendrickson and Cedar Ridge, all the schools that are in Central Texas area, essentially, um, that I have friends at that I would go and help with. So now I'm at Cedar Park High School, and so that's where I've been for the last four years. Man, it's really too bad that you can't come up with any big names for part of your resume. I mean, that's, I mean, come on, Casey, like that's, that is a ridiculous set of names. Very, very cool. So Casey, I'm so excited that you are here. Middle school color guard. I think for some people that has them scratching their head, it's like, do you, how do you start that early? We know about starting students on the musical instruments at that age, but I think not everybody has a middle school color guard. So I guess I want to talk about sort of like why start there maybe, like why even do that? Like how, how does that help the program in general? Is that a good place to start? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, the number one thing for me is that it's really hard to recruit at a high school level um, simply because most of the time when kids get to high school, if they want to do an activity, they've already found one. And so whenever you're starting at the middle school level, they're still trying to figure out who they are, what they like, what they want to do. Um, so for me, specifically over at Cedar Park, is it provides them a, a pretty much like an experiment, um, whether they would like to further themselves in our activity uh, with starting in middle school because they're able to choose like up to three or four electives now. And so being able to choose Color Guard as one, you know, then they're able to find who they are, if you will, um, by doing a lot of different courses and then seeing if they want to continue into high school. Um, for me specifically, it's attracted a lot of um, very similar students, as well as a wide like diversity, obviously. But um, the kids that previously didn't, you know, fit in with XYZ activity that wanted somewhere, you know, semi-athletic, or maybe it wasn't the athletic part, maybe it was the artistic part, maybe it was they have a sibling in the band, but they didn't, they don't want to learn an instrument, but they wanted to be able to perform with their sibling. Um, I have a lot of those students, actually. I have about five in my middle school program right now whose older siblings are in the band at the high school. So they joined to be able to do that in high school with their siblings. So, okay, so one, one of the things you just said that sort of surprised me is this is actually part of their curriculum at school. It's not like an extracurricular club after school. Yeah, so it is a course for us. So it is uh, technically listed under the TEKS for dance. Um, and so their TEKS meaning like the credentials for TEA that are followed. Um, so we learn a lot, all of the dance materials. And so, and then equipment on top of that, if you will. Um, and so it is a part of a class that is technically considered a dance class. Okay, that's amazing. So you actually are able to have these students a lot, because I know a lot of people have a middle school color guard, but it's like an after school thing or an extracurricular mm -hmm. thing. I know it can work that way as well, but this sounds like a great setup to really do it right. Yeah, and so like uh, here in the central Texas area, a lot of schools are really advocating for getting middle school classes that already have middle school clubs. Um, clubs are a good way to start. Um, however, they have their benefits and negatives. Um, one of the benefits of having a class is that you do get to see them every day. 
if your middle school happens to be block scheduled, it's still every other day, which is still better than only meeting once a week. Uh, most of the time with middle school kids, they don't retain the information, you know, when they like get it one day and then seven days later, they get it again, they're not going to remember. Uh, and so being able to, you know, beat them over the head with it, you know, every day, it gets the point across of like being able to actually learn the materials, um, you know, similar to math and science and English and art. Um, one of the good thing, one of the downfalls, however, to having a class every day is that you have a class every day. And so you have to be able to staff, you have to be able to um, have people there to teach your kids. Um, you know, as specifically for me, I'm grateful enough that I have a phenomenal assistant director named Jordan Openshaw. She is a graduate from Cedar Park um, who went through the middle school program, went through the high school program, is now teaching with me at uh, both. And so she has a strong connection with like what the program has. Um, I know a lot of people hire graduates. Um, she graduated before I started at Cedar Park. And so I was happy to be able to have her come back. So she kind of leads a majority of the middle school things um, for me. So then I'm able to do all of the financial, the logistical things of that nature. Um, so with having a class, you, have, you just have to be able to have like the people that can be there every day. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, of course, that you mentioned that it's really like dance based. And of course, Color Guard is dance based. And so it makes sense that that would be sort of the, the basis of where you're starting and then adding the equipment on top. So that's very, very cool. So we're going to talk about your the specifics of how you're recruiting. But before we do that, um, let's talk about the impact that having students start in middle school had on the high school program or has on high school programs? Um, so one of the benefits is whenever you come up to, I was just talking with um, one of my friends yesterday about this actually. So whenever you have a band, you think of band, they start in sixth grade, they do seventh grade, they do eighth grade, they come in as a freshman, they already know how to play their music. The only thing that they have to learn to do is march. Not the only thing, but you know, it's a lot more complicated than that, but it's one less thing for them to be able to that they have to learn. For Color Guard, whenever you start your freshman year, you're learning everything from scratch. You're learning how to stand. You're learning how to hold your flag. You're learning how to do a tondu. You're learning how to do a drop spin. You're learning how to move across the field. You're learning how to count a beat. You know, most of the time, none, these kids have never done any of that before. And so whenever you're having to start from scratch, you automatically are behind you know, comparative to your band program. So whenever you have a competitive program like we do at Cedar Park, it only makes sense to have a middle school program that starts par to where the band kids start in middle school. Um, you know, I mean, that's per a lot of schools, you know, that all start music education in sixth grade that want to have successful color guards. It only makes sense that you start at the same time and have the same amount of time with the program thinking about the longevity of their career. And within the sport. Right. And as you mentioned, of course, you can get them to realize how much fun it is, how they love it, how artistic it is, what a great outlet is. And so that's going to become something that they love to do um, as opposed to trying to convince them of that later. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Exactly. And, uh, and another thing like to like the high school, like every program always has those kids that join a little bit later that become, you know, they're like one off superstar. Um, typically, whenever kids join later, they are more mature. Um, however, whenever you don't already have the talent within your program, they don't know what to expect. They don't know what to learn, but you don't have the people that are teaching them how to catch up. 
So, you know, whenever you have those one-off people that you do recruit at high school, it's nice having that base of kids that have been hearing the same information for the two years prior to their freshman year, their freshman, sophomore, maybe their, maybe your friend joins their junior year. You've already had four years of experience to be able to help them out. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So let's get a little context here. Um, you have taken the middle school guard and really, it's really grown a lot since you've been there. So where was it when you started and, and what numbers do you have now? So when we, when I first became the director there, uh, we had 16 kids in the color guard program. Uh, this past school year, we currently have 42. Okay. So that's, that's a lot. So you're doing something right, which is why I say everybody. Uh, so Casey, that's awesome. So tell me, like, let's talk about how you're recruiting to get all those kids in there. Like, what are you doing? Cause we all want to know. Um, so typical things that people commonly do is they recruit at, by going to gym classes or going to other courses um, that might be able to offer an alternative to an oversized PE class, if you will. Um, so that's how I first started doing my recruiting. Um, whenever I didn't have a relationship with my counselors and my admin, um, that was how we first started recruiting was by going to the PE classes. They, they just had a day where they didn't, they didn't schedule anything for the PE classes. My kids got pulled from the high school and I brought my middle school, or sorry, I brought my high school guard over to the middle school and they did a little demo. It was just like a swing flag routine uh, that year. And then they got to play around with the flags and then we called it a day. We handed out flyers. We got about five kids-ish about from that that went from eighth grade up to high school because that first year we only did eighth grade PE classes. Um, and so then whenever we, that next year, I heavily dove into recruiting for the middle school because I realized that a lot of kids don't want to join things once they get to high school because they've already, like I said earlier, they've already chosen what they want to do or they don't want to do anything at all and they just want to go to school and come home. And so I started heavily recruiting at the middle school level, starting with the sixth grade classes. So um, one more logistic we don't start color guard in sixth grade. We only do seventh and eighth grade. So those 42 kids or those 16 kids that I was referencing, that is only seventh and eighth grade alone. Okay. And so um, we started recruiting at that sixth grade level uh, going up into their seventh grade year. And so what I did was I went to the dance classes and I made a really strong relationship with our counselors um, to kind of help us find people that we think like need a place to go, you know, people that, you know, didn't have a activity that wanted an activity. Oh, well, here's this open invite from color guard, you know, let's sign you up for that and, you know, play around with that and see if it's a good thing for you. Um, my third year, um, which was last year, we started a thing called experience camps, you know, kind of like, um, what all these drum corps do to recruit for their drum corps. They do the experience camps you know, throughout the winter and into the spring just to get people to show up to their camps. Um, I kind of took that upon myself to kind of do something similar. So we go over for this year, um, we go over to the high school or we take my high school kids, we bring equipment, we go over to the middle school and we do this open invite for anybody to try it out. Sixth grade, seventh grade and eighth grade, um, all the way up through um, returning 11th graders. Um, just since they're not graduating, <laughs> but pretty much what it is is an open invite and they get to 
learn a drop spin, learn how to do cones. Uh, we start by doing something that we call circle time, uh, which is they just get in a big circle and they do a name game and then they actually play some kind of other game. That's all led by my leadership team for the high school guard. And then after that, then they learn a skill for an hour. Um, the first week uh, we did six foot flag. And so we broke out into what I call four corners. One group's over here, one group's over here, one group's over here, one group's over here. I have members that are returning for each of those and then middle school kids that are dispersed amongst the four groups. And then they learn a, a basic idea. Drop spins, cones, pole hits, and a pop toss were the four skills that we taught them um, at that first experience camp. Then for the second experience camp, we did swing flag. So those have actually proven to be really beneficial to us um, in terms of there's no obligation, you don't have to join. The members bring their friends just because they just wanna hang out with them and maybe their friends are like, well, you carry around that flag all day and you bring it home every day. You know, what's all this about? And then they come and, you know, if they decide to join, then they tell me and then I get in contact with our counselors and they add them to the course. So was this experience thing, was this after school or during school? Like when did it happen? Yeah, so it's after school um, and it's three day or three weeks in a row all on the same day. So it was like, um, it was April 27th or sorry, April 20th, April 27th. And then our last one is tomorrow, May 4th. Okay, so, so it's they're in an environment where you've set it up where they're making friends. It's very social, and they're sort of having fun trying things out. There's no pressure, right? They're not having to perform for anybody. Um, that's why is this better than the PE classes? Because it's still the same kind of thing. Yeah, so it is the same kind of thing, except they don't have their peers that are judging them for wanting to try. Ah, um, you know, ah. there's there's always those kids that are like, hey, hey cool. Um, but, you know, in reality, they're just like, well, I just want to go and I want to try. So I stay 10 minutes after school and I go to the gym and then I'm only with the people that also want to try. Mm -hmm. um, for me specifically, like the first couple of or the first year that we did it, our turnout wasn't crazy. Um, I maybe got 10 middle school kids, 10 high school kids, and then my returning however number that was. Then by the last experience camp last year, we had like over 60 people showing up because they went and told their friends, hey, this experience camp that I went to is so much fun. You, we should go together next week. And then they would bring, that's why I do it linear, linearly, like week after week after week. So then they get to spread the word and bring their friends. Um, and instead of doing like three days in a row where then it just becomes work, like, oh, I have to show up for three days. No, it's... Yeah you know, spread out. And I don't even make it required like, oh, well, if you start showing up, then you have to come to the next two. You know, it's, hey, like I get tons of emails. Hey, I can make it to the first one and the last one, but I can't make it to the middle to the middle one. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Because each one of them is designed for them just to play around essentially. Okay. So, like so then you have this experience camp. Um, I have two questions around that, and I'll just ask them both, and you can explain it. Like, it, there's no audition for the middle school, right? It's just whoever wants to be in there does that. Mm -hmm. So then I want to know if they have any performances. So I'm, I'll just ask that. Well, then the second question is, then how does the high school guard try out? Is that separate from this experience camp, and that's another thing? Like, I, I have both those questions, so I want to put them on the table before I forget. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> 
Um, so we do not do uh, auditions at Cedar Park. So we do placements, uh, essentially. So whenever a middle school kid comes in, if roster, we teach them. Um, and then going into Winter Guard, just because we have a large number of students, um, we actually divided into a JV and a varsity this year. Um, this is the first year that we did a JV and a varsity. So last year we had 27 kids in the, color, in the middle school color guard. So we didn't audition them. Uh, anything over 30 I thought was too many uh, for it to be A, safe and B, fit in the same space. Um, and so we split them into a varsity and a JV. And so we did an audition for that. Um, either way, everybody gets placed into one unit or the other and we teach them and they're a part of it. Then going into high school where it's a little more competitive uh, we take everybody as well. Um, however, now because we have started to get that um, numbers influx into the high school, we are actually kind of doing our marching system a little bit differently, um, where we're actually able to do kind of like what the band does with having an alternate section. So we have we have the main people that are in like a, a quote unquote varsity marching marching spot, and then we have a group of kids that are alternates essentially. Okay, but they're still learning, they're still growing, they're still part of the program, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so we've got some questions there, everybody. Thanks for typing these in. Keep them coming. So this is a good one from Danielle. How long are the experience camps? Is it one hour, two hours? How long are you doing those for? Uh, so our experience camps are two hours, um, just because we don't want to overwhelm them with too much. Um, and so we start with doing like an introduction, and then we do a game that normally takes about 45 minutes. And then we let them kind of organize themselves and we split them up into the, you know, spaces that they're going to learn their choreography in the four corners. Um, and then we do that for about 45 minutes and then we come all together for the last 15. So when you have those four corners, are they shifting from corner to corner to learn skills or are they like with that group to learn all four skills? So they rotate. So I assign one corner to only teach drop spins, one corner to only teach cones, etc. And so then the, the new members just rotate around. Um, and I, I just have my leaders and uh, returning high school members that are pretty much running the different corners. Yeah, which is great because they're going to respond so much to learning from peers, like the, the cool high school girls, and they're getting to meet them. They know their names. Like that whole setup is super smart. Like that, and that's my kids are part. very sweet, and so they 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 love teaching the younger members. And um, my leadership, they come over to middle school rehearsals to help teach the middle school kids. So they're already accustomed to that type of environment. So that's great. I mean, anytime you can get that kind of interaction going, that's really really smart. Okay, we have some more questions. I'm just is you is it okay if I just keep going with questions or? Okay, good. So um, this was this one came in a little bit ago from Angel. It says, "How do you dispel the stereotypes?" The guard is, is only for girls or, you know, it's not as cool as cheer. Um, so I can't really speak too much to the guard is only for girls. I weirdly um, have only had four boys in four years that have come through my uh, high school color guard program. Um, only one of them has gone all four years. Um, and then I currently have a second boy that is finishing out their third or fourth year in the program, but as a junior. Uh, so next year will be their senior year. So for me, it's it's been, I don't really ever have the issue 
trying to make it more inclusive to the male, you know, figure as much as just making it inclusive to the individuals that want to join. Um, I have a lot of non-binary um, and or trans and or um, LGBTQ and straight, like it's just a wide variety of uh, students in that aspect. Um, but I, I haven't had a lot of males and I haven't had a lot of success in like that range as much as just getting a lot of individuals that want to join for the art rather than the, the, the sexuality part of it. Okay. Um, in terms of like the coolness to other activities, um, for me, what's been what's been my biggest advocate is making the kids know that they are cared for and that they have a space that they get to be themselves. Um, whether they are quote unquote cool or not, um, they get to be themselves. There are more kids that are what you would consider alternative, I guess, you know, than the cool kids in school. Um, I don't, I don't ever like try to evaluate as much as making it just known that the kids get to bring their friends that they have and have a place where they get to do something together. So, um, for me, color guard, I, like, I don't, I don't ever really consider the coolness factor as a part of it as much as I, okay, rephrase. One thing that I have done to kind of change that is I don't do any like gimmicky cartoony kind of things with my color guards. Um, I try to make them look, you know, cool or have some kind of flair. Um, just since we always do, you know, public performances and a lot of like the public perception of our activity is very large. Um, at Cedar Park, we are, you know, a pretty well-known program. And so, within our community, everybody knows about the marching band, you know, and the football team. And like, we're, we're pretty well known in a lot of different aspects, including our color guard now. Um, and so with that, we, I've always made it a, like a, a goal of mine that they're always spinning flags that look really cool. They're not, they're not like weird gimmicky craziness. I always make sure that their costumes, like they're always something that kids would want to wear. Um, I'm not putting them in, you know, crazy costuming that, you know, well, this one makes me look weird. I don't, I don't, I want all of my kids to be comfortable in what they're wearing. And also then on that aspect, if it's cool and edgy and fun, um, then they get to experience that end. And then more kids want to join, you know, cause they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to look stupid doing this. Okay, well, you've just on touch, touched on something that's like really important to me. So I'm going to stop and pause for just a minute and say like, if you are watching this, rewind and listen to that last part again, because Casey, it's so important to me. Um, it's very easy in our in this activity, especially with color guard people to like you have this vision and you want to take be edgy. You want to try, and I'm like, it, I'm sorry. These are high school kids. And now we're talking about middle school kids. They have to feel comfortable they have to feel good. They have to feel beautiful. In fact, I would say, I don't care if you're doing zombie apocalypse, they had better be super hot and beautiful looking zombie apocalypse. I don't care because they are going to, their, their friends are going to see them at the football game and they want, they need to feel great about what they're wearing and how they look and how they're perceived. And I'm not saying you can't take risks, whatever, but this is really important to me because we've all seen people put students in things where it's not flattering or I'm uncomfortable for them. And like, I think this is really important. Yes. 
I, I agree completely. I mean, so the the last two years, we've taken a very um, similar approach to costuming, um, where like at least for the marching band season, um, which is the most visible like visible part of any sure. band program. Oh yeah. Like concert band, we're not really seen. Winter Guard, it it we don't go to football games with Winter Guard like shows, you know. And so for marching band, we've we've tried to be as like flashy and cool with our costume as possible. We're continuing that into this year as well, where it's definitely like we're going into like the pretty aspect and not the gimmicky. So. Yeah, and I think you can do any I, kind I completely of agree. yeah, you can do any kind of theme show you want or whatever. But I still think they need to look and feel beautiful, right, and comfortable. Yep. And it's possible to do that. I mean, we've all seen that done successfully a thousand times, right? So, okay, just wanted to pause on that because I love that you said that, and I think that's really important. And I think we're talking about recruiting. That's it. That's part of it. You know what? Like, if if they're like, oh my god, I wouldn't possibly want to be seen by my friends in that at a football game. Well, they're not sign up to be a part of your program i i just think that's important okay enough of my i'll get off my little soapbox for a minute i'm just really glad you said that you were talking about having alternates and somebody asked a question about that um for alternates do they still have the opportunity to perform even if no hole is created yes so um so for specific specifically for us we do uh an alternate line and so for our band alternates, what they do is um, they get a responsibility in the show. So for the last couple of years, it's been spinning swing flags um, in our show in some capacity. Um, just because our numbers for the high school were still in the 20s, um, now we're up closer to like almost 40 in the, in the high school color guard for this next year. And so we had band kids that were X-Block members or alternates that were spinning swing flags or moving props or running across the field with a kite. I love this, the way that you're involving the alternates, band alternates and color guard alternates, right, in the show in some way, right? Yeah. And what, what's been great about the band alternates is um, they get to see, you know, the perception of like, oh, well, color guard, that's actually kind of hard. I actually have to, like, know what I'm doing. You know, so then they've actually gotten some kind of benefit out of that. Like our color guard program has gotten a benefit out of band kids, like responsibility of doing a color guard piece, you know, essentially of the show. Um, but now for our color guard alternates, um, we actually will have eight of those this year. We coordinate it into the drill where they come out for all of the main impacts. So, for instance, like if you have a four part show, they come out like they do the intro, like they do the whole first part. Then they'll go away during like the beginning of the second part, come out for the end of that one, go away, come out for the third, go away, come out for the fourth. So that way then they don't have the strong responsibilities of learning an entire show, but they get to still be a part of it. They still get a costume. They still get flags. They still get to be like, they still get to perform at football games. They just have a shortened responsibility where then they're able to manage um, their stress of learning about you know how to be in the marching band. That's how you do it, everybody. <laughs> I love that. I think that's just fantastic. Okay, so um, another question from a listener. Uh, thank you guys for being here, by the way. Do you have recommendations for programs where we don't have direct access, access to students in a school? He says, my group is only after school and there's no class component. There's only a high school component. 
Um, let me see. Let me, let me read this again. Um, and, and Cody wrote this. So, Cody, if you want to clarify, he's, I'll read it again. This person says, do you have recommendations for programs where we don't have direct access to students in a school? I guess like for recruiting, like they can't, they can't have a class during school time. He says his group is only after school. There's no class component. So talking about recruiting for those kind of situations, I think is what's being asked. Um, there, here's what he says. He says, there's no class. It's only extracurricular, not during school hours. So what's your recommendation for that situation, perhaps? Um, so I would definitely like try to get in contact with your principal. Um, they're going to be the, like the main advocates essentially for you. Um, if you, I have a really strong relationship with my principal where he thoroughly, like anytime that there's a superintendent or someone that comes to the school or some kind of alternative, like admin, um, he always brings them to my color guard class. And so he, he thoroughly advocates for me. Um, and so that's, that's going to be your number one goal with, you know, any kind of relationship is because essentially he's, you know, the principals are your boss. They're like the number one person that operates your program. Um, anytime that you have students in a school, the principal is your biggest advocate. And so I would talk to the principal about, you know, Hey, I need, I need some kind of opportunity for recruiting, um, whether it is performing at a pep rally, most schools. Um, always fall in a spring pep rally. Um, that's pretty common where you're able to perform for student body, you know, even if it's only four or five kids, um, some kind of short, you know, ditty to Lady Gaga and, you know, make your program look cool, wear something flashy, do the nice hair, you know, ta-da. And then you're able to recruit that way. Um, another thing would be, your kids would still go to school. So they're still in the student body. If you get them on board, you have some kind of common goals saying, hey, we need to recruit for our program. You know, you want to be a part of this. So can you help, you know, spread the word to your friends and to your band or like to your student population that we are looking for members? Maybe offer something similar to like what I was talking about earlier with the experience camps even if it's just like an open forum of just, hey, we're going to be at the high school today and just hanging out and spinning flags, you know, completely Ill, it, like informal and able to get some members at least in the door, maybe that way. Yeah. And, you know, it's very social. I mean, really, it's it's about it's, it, they're bringing their friends. It's like this is something like you talked about how inclusive and everybody can is welcome to be themselves. They're all included, whatever. Like that's that has impact. And that will draw students to what you're doing for sure. Okay, good question. Another good question. You're doing great, Casey. Like you're knocking home runs left and right. I'm loving this. So here's the next question. Yeah, there you go. Out of the park. This this is a good question. I'd be interested to see what you say. Um, this, this person says they're adding an eighth grade into their marching band this year. Eighth grade is part of their middle school in their school district. They're adding them to the marching band. So the question is, how do you recommend creating that team bond between the variety of grades? So I'm assuming, and you can clarify this, um, listener, if you will, um, if they are going to have a class that meets every day um, for those eighth grade students, or if it is only rehearsal. So oh. if they're meeting for rehearsal only, then I would say like to tie the bond, have some kind of buddy system. Um, that's like your number one thing. Like they always 
go to X person first, you know, they get their stuff from this person, they walk to the field with this person, they talk to this person's friends, um, you know, I'm assuming, you know, that you have more members than just the eighth grade coming up. So then that automatically gives them a, at least a person that they get to reference um, and get a responsibility from and get, you know, information from, et cetera. Um, so definitely some kind of like, you can call it bigs and littles, you can call it buddies, you, you know, whatever fancy way you want to get. Um, but I, anything that kind of just like empowers them a little bit to have some kind of familial, you know, response to, oh, well, now I'm in the high school, you know, uh, for me specifically, I'm not, or I don't have any eighth grade students that participate in my high school color guard. Um, but what we do um, is I do a buddy system amongst the high school to the middle school, um, just because we do have a couple events that do lay over. So for instance, my middle school had a winter guard contest the same day as my JV did. And so whenever we got to the, so like the middle school's contest was in the morning and then the JVs was like slightly later, the middle school comes back, they ate lunch together and then my JV left to go to the contest. So different moments where you can interact them like that, um, you know, whether if they're gonna be a part of the high school um, winter guard, if you have a winter guard, um, you know, whether they get to audition and be a part of the JV that way, um, you know, just different things that you can try to integrate them. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, and again, you talked about when you did your, your experiences that the first part of it, a big chunk of the first part of it was the social part, getting to know each other games where they were, they were interacting and getting comfortable around each other and all that stuff. That's, that's always something that you can do. Um, I love your buddy system thing. I had a wonderful conversation with Scott Rush back when he was the director at Wando High School. And he talked about how every new band member had like a, an older senior or junior, junior, senior that was like their assigned person, right? They're, they're like helper, their, their big brother or big sister, or whatever to help them through. And he did the same thing with the parents, parents of the new student had parents, maybe not the same parents, but had parents that also helped them become part of the band family. I wouldn't tell you to disregard that part either. Yeah, I mean, so we do something very similar. We call them booster buddies because we want as many of our parents to be involved with the booster program because our booster program is the ones that pretty much operate our band program, you know, on the flip side of the education department. Um, and so we do a buddies for the band parents as well. Um, our color guard parents do a color guard buddies thing as well um, because we have a representative that is for our color guard on the band booster board. So yeah, that you can't just overestimate how important that is. And if the parents are involved, then of course you need more parent involvement. And then also that student is going to stay around and be on time and all those things. Like you have to involve the whole band family and stuff you're doing. So that's really great. Okay, that's all the questions I yeah, have and right if you now. Talk, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. If you want to, just because you mentioned like the one thing, like the retention, um, that is one thing that helps with that is, you know, the, the parents' involvement with the program, the parents chaperoning, the parents making sandwiches, the parents doing the fundraisers, um, you know, anytime that you can get the parents involved, you know, they feel just as much of a familial bond to the program and to your activity as the kids do. 
Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of parents that actually did color guard. Um, I have five, six, I have like six parents that actually did color guard when they were in high school or um, when they were, they, I have a couple of them that marched drum corps. And like, I have, I have a mom that marched, I think she marched Phantom. Um, I have another mom that marched Escapade. <laughs> wow. Like, you know, some like programs, you know, yeah. um, I think one of them said that they had some kind of affiliation with Fantasia at one point or something. Um, and so it's just really cool having that because then they, you know, they have their references from whenever they were marching um, and now are able to spread that. Um, Jordan Openshaw, who I mentioned earlier, her mom, Patty, was my like head middle school mom. Um, when Jordan was in the color guard, she was the lead high school mom and she did color guard as well. Every year uh, she does a cold six and baps it. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. And I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's in the culture, right? You're building the culture of the program around in all these ways that you're describing. You mentioned retention. Of course, this conversation is more about recruiting. But what you know, do you have any suggestions about how this whole thing that you have set up now, how that's keeping the retention? Do you want to speak to that at all? Yeah. So, I mean, whenever you have more members, um, just in general, you, you know, if you lose them, you know, recruiting doesn't matter. If you, if you can't retain, then there's no point in recruiting because you're just doing all this work to get members to then not keep them. So you have to create some kind of enticement, you know, long-term goals, short, short-term goals, some kind of, you know, that I call them, um, oh God, well, now I'm blanking on what I was going to say, but. Um, you're talking you know, about enticements kind of like for quick, like keeping kids around. Yeah, like some kind of like quick, you know, thing that they get to experience that makes them go, oh, well, I like that. And I want to do that again next year, you know. Um, and so keeping the retention matters, you know, on top of the recruiting, you know, they, they almost go hand in hand. And then whenever you have more members than they, then you have then more of a, you know, public eye on you because more people are in it. More people are talking about Color Guard. Then they get to bring their friends or hey, so-and-so was talking about color guard in my English class, and that sounded kind of cool, so I guess maybe I can sign up for that, too, you know, or, hey, teach, you know, um, did you hear about our winter guard contest that we did last week? We got third place. Oh, yay, congrats, you know, the teachers, you know, encouraging, you know, the, you know, competitions and different achievements, um, little victories, if you will, uh, throughout the year. And that helps with the retention as well. So since we're talking about this, this uh, someone wants to know, out of curiosity, what does your member turnover look like both in the middle school and the high school? Um, that's a great question. So uh, the last couple of years, I've been sitting just over like 86 to 88% retention. Um, this year, I only lost one uh, returning high school member and I only lost one returning middle school member. Wow. Um, and so, yeah. And so I had 19. Um, so what would be next year's seniors, juniors, and sophomores? Um, of those students, there would be 19 that were in the program this year. I have 18 of those returning. And then I have 20 of my 21 eighth graders from this past year. Wow, that's really impressive. So you're doing a lot of things right to keep that going. You know, you mentioned this before, how inclusive it was. Um, everybody's welcome to be themselves. They're, 
they're all being taken care of and respected and appreciated and welcome and the whole thing. Um, I feel like that's really key. Uh, you're telling, you're letting them know that you care about them as a person, not just another performer that might help you win a show. Right. So like that's key is how you're treating them. They know you're interested in them as an individual. Yeah. And they know that other people in the program care about them too, not just as, you know, a member, um, especially with like all of my leadership team. Uh, we actually just finished our leadership auditions for this next year. All of them have talked about how the culture has gotten way better than whenever I started just from um, the ability to be able to be themselves and also with including each other. I have freshmen that are best friends with graduating seniors. And so that's like a really, really big part of that too. In like my high school buddies, they actually care about their middle school buddies and they actually still stay in contact with some of them, you know? And so they're able to still have that connection, even though they don't see each other every day. And so wow. that, that'll help with, you know, getting them up to that high school to be able to be a part of that. You know, which ultimately, like as a director, your responsibility is, you know, taking care of your program on and off the field. And so how they like whether they get enough food and whether they, you know, are keeping up with their grades. Like here in Texas, we actually have a, you know, no pass, no play rule where you have to pass your classes in order to actually participate, you know, in competitions and performances. And so we actually have to do grade checks and parents love that you know, that we actually have to say, no, you're really bad at math and you need to spend more time on math, <laughs> you know? And so there's, there's more than just the, no, Susie, you need to go up down together, you know, Hey, no, you're not, you're, you're falling behind and not learning X, Y, Z toss. You know, there's more to it than that. You know, if they, I mean, we're in color guard injuries are bound to happen. Right. Um, if you actually are like, Oh, well, let's actually like take care of it. And like, you email the parents and say, hey, this happened today. The parents know that the kid is going to be taken care of whenever they're with you. Um, and there's some kind of like responsibility to that. Yeah, ultimately what we're talking about is building a really successful, thriving culture for your program. That's really what this is all about because you, that's what you keep describing is the way that the kids are being inclusive and the way they're all getting along, the way they're supporting each other and the way that you're watching out for them. And, and like, that's, that's just a culture. And then that, that culture builds into, well, of course I'm going to show up on time. And of course I'm going to be prepared. And of course I'm going to make sure I do my homework because I can't let everybody down. Like that culture building is something that's just critical. It's probably the number one topic that people ever ask me about to do these webinars and podcasts about is like, they're trying to build that successful culture. So is there anything else around that? You just mentioned a whole bunch of things that you're doing that are really successful. Is there anything else around that culture building um, that's leading, that's leading to your recruiting, to your success? Is there anything else about that you want to share? I mean, a lot of it is, you know, if you get your leaders realizing or rather just any of your returning members, if you get them setting some kind of common goal where they are wanting to make the program better. They're wanting to encourage other people to join. They're wanting more people to be a part of your family. That ultimately like is the number one thing. If they don't believe it, then it doesn't, it's not gonna help you in the slightest. You can do all of the recruiting that you want, but students talk to other students. And so if you're not, you know, that 
what if you're not what you advertise, <laughs> then you know it doesn't quite get a selling point. There's there's nothing else that you can do on that. So you have to get the kids on board, and then in a way you're almost working hand in hand to bolster up your program and get that you know return of recruiting members and keeping members. Yeah, there's been so many conversations the last few years about being authentic, right? And I think that's really key. Like they know you cannot fool these kids. They know if you like really care and if you're really showing up determined, like they can tell, you know, and if you're there really doing your best and they know that you care about them and, and that you care about the program, like you just can't fake that. They, we can all tell. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing, like, as as an instructor, you know, and with any anyone that you hire as well, um, you want to make sure that everybody that's involved is wanting the the most out of the person, you know. So, like, we always tell, like, all of my staff will tell the people, we don't care if you're good at color guard if you're not a good person. And so, like, we've we've seen a couple people out of the program, you know, because of that, and it's okay. You know, it's it at at some point you want them. You're gonna see more return having the good like the good members that have your vision, if you will, that also want to be a part of that. I mean, at least like for me, uh, whenever I first started, they said you're gonna have a four year layover. Like there there's something called the four year rule. I had never heard of it until you know a lot of people started telling me it. But like whenever you take over a program, it takes four years for it to start to look like what your vision is. And so it, it, it takes time. And so if you're constantly bouncing around program to program and saying, I'm just here to fix it and then go, it, it, there's not really a fix because it doesn't matter if you're not there long-term. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Wow. Well, what an, <laughs> what an incredibly helpful um, and practical conversation this has been. Um, thank you, everybody who's been watching for for asking those really smart questions, uh, which led us to a lot of really good conversations too. Casey, you're doing a lot of things really so so well. Um, your students there are so lucky to have you and your whole staff and everybody making that experience for them. Of course, we all know about the great program there at Cedar Park, but it's exciting to see sort of how that's all happening. So I appreciate you doing this. Anything you want to say as we're closing? Like, what would you want to leave somebody with? In, in you know, in sort of summing up something or any final thought, your number one beneficial like tool is going to be your admin and your counselors. If you have your school body invested in what you have to offer, then that'll be your ultimate you know savior. Um, for instance, like with my principal, he one hundred percent supports you know our band program at the middle school and at the high school, and they both like both of our principals really want to see the most from our program. So they, you know, come in and support us on the admin level, uh, even sometimes financially, you know, my, my principal has offered to pay for things for us to be able to have more, you know, out of our, out of, out of our funds. And so where the band boosters aren't having to pay for it. Um, your counselors are your best friend in trying to find those kids that would fit best with your program. Um, and if they're, if they're willing to help you get members and, oh, well, I didn't sign up for color guard originally, but I kind of want to now, is it okay if I do, if your counselors say no, then it doesn't really matter what you're recruiting because nowadays kids are selecting their courses in like January, 
And so it, it doesn't leave you a lot of time because you're in the middle of marching band season and then you go to winter break and you have zero time for recruiting. So you have, you have to get counselors that are willing to, well, not get counselors, but work with your counselors to want to work with you to get those members and, and really support you. So how, uh, how did, wait, I'm going getting... to interrupt you for a second. How did you make, build those relationships? You show up at the school four years ago, you're new. How did you build that relationship with those counselors and with that administrator? Um, I mean, ultimately for me, like I, I, so I work on two campuses. So I work at the high school in the morning and then I go to the middle school after my high school class. And I would always, or at least for like the middle school purpose, I'd choose a couple of days where I would go down to the band offices and go say hi to the band directors there. Um, or I would go up to the counseling office, go and ask them how they're doing, check in with the counseling department. You know, if I had some kind of issue or concern that I was going to visit somebody about after I was done with that, then I'd stick around a little bit and, you know, talk to them about their dog, you know, some kind of relationship or, you know, some kind of topic that's not work related. Um, just to kind of, you know, let them know that you're human and that you care about them, you know, on top of caring about your program and caring about the job. Um, and so like for me, um, we do a poinsettia fundraiser every year, for instance, I always get a couple poinsettias that I give to the front office staff, um, you know, and like, it's just small things like that, that I'm able to gift back. Um, like we had a couple extra winter guard shirts left over this year. So I gave those to the, you know, middle school admin, you know, uh, just different things like that, that they don't have to do anything for it other than know that you exist and care about, you know, what you're doing and you go and give them some kind of, you know, either a conversation or some kind of small token that you're able to give them. So, yeah, it's amazing. Okay. I kind of interrupted your thoughts there, but I feel like that was really, you're doing that so well. You're just being visible and you're being real and authentic and interested in them. Um, and that's really, really paying off. Um, anything, I think I, I, you were in the middle of a final thought when I interrupted you with that. Anything else you want to say? Um, I, I was just going to reference like on top of getting your admin and your counselors on board, then getting the students and your coworkers. Um, like be, be visible. Like I know, like for me, I'm a paraprofessional. Um, so I'm not a full-time teacher, quote unquote, um, not yet at least. Um, but uh, with that being said, you know, I do have some free time, but not a lot. I mean, I'm teaching at Cedar Park High School and middle school, and I have two other clients during the marching season that I do choreography for, another one that I program coordinate for and do all of their visual aesthetics as well as their color guard training, um, you know, and then you, there's just a lot of things happening that I have to pay my bills with. Um, but on top of that, like if you're not visible with your programs or with your schools, then you can't really ask for more because they don't remember you. If they don't remember you, then you can't ask for anything. Um, so that's like the number one thing. So just yeah. be visible, be, be vibrant, be visible, um, and like make conversations with, you know, all of the people as to what your goals are and, you know, let them know that like you only want the best. If you really want to grow your program, if you really want to see a benefit, know, know the people that you have to interact with, which is, you know, those four main bodies, 
principals, counselors, students that you're working with that you get to see every day, and then the, uh, the teaching body of the school. Yeah, it's great, great advice. Casey Kunza, you're just uh, super doing a great job. I'm so, so glad that we had this, that you shared your expertise with us tonight. Um, again, if you're watching this, whether live or recorded, let people know that it's here. They can watch it at Marching Arts Education. Like I said, the recording is always up the next day. Casey, great job. Great. Thank you so much for giving us your time tonight. Of course. Thank you so much, Tim. And I hope uh, everybody gets something out of this. So. <laughs> no doubt about that. It was really, really, really helpful. So thank you. Great job. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one, everybody. Find many other conversations like this one at marchingartseducation.com. Find similar topics in over 1,100 podcasts at the Marching Roundtable and in the hours and hours of webinar videos and interviews at marchingartseducation.com. We're so grateful that so many of the very top educators and designers in our activity have talked with us and shared their secrets. You can learn from these top marching arts professionals at any time at our website at marchingartseducation.com. Thank you so much to the sponsor of this podcast, Fred J. Miller Incorporated, found at fjminc.com slash roundtable. This is your host, Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. Find out more about me at beastofthemarchingarts.com. And I hope you'll check out my new bed and breakfast in Tampa, Florida. Just go to phantomhistoryhouse.com. If you're a business that works with band directors, marching bands, color guards, or drum lines, you should sponsor podcasts at the Marching Roundtable. Our listeners are the exact audience you're trying to reach. And with thousands of podcast downloads each month, it's a great way to directly reach your target audience. For more information, click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link at marchingroundtable.com or email Tim at tim at marchingroundtable.com. You can grow your business and help support what we're doing here on the podcast.